So I had a school music teacher who told me something that always stuck with me. He said to me, you can be the world's best piano player. But if you only ever play in your basement, you're the worst piano player. Now, what did he mean by that? You can learn to be the best piano player in the world, but if you only play it in your basement, you're the worst. You've got to play in front of people, otherwise you won't spread what you've learned. That's right. Music is something that is meant to be shared. Keeping music to yourself defeats the purpose. It has to be shared with other people. You can be the most technical expert at piano, but if you never share that technique and expertise with anyone, why bother even learning piano at all? Or any musical instrument. Music is meant to be shared. And the same is true for us as students of the Bible. Together, we've been learning how to read the Bible and how to properly interpret it. We've learned the importance of drawing out meaning from the text. We've learned how to find out what the Bible is trying to tell us. And we can accumulate all of this biblical knowledge, but if we never share it, we're not the best Bible student. We are, in fact, the worst. We may have never even bothered having learned it. Why? Because just like music, the Bible is something that is meant to be shared. Our faith is something that is meant to be shared. If it only stays with us, it defeats the purpose. Our faith must be shared. So why then do we struggle to share our faith? Why do we pass on opportunities to give people a message that not only benefits their life now, but benefits them for eternity? Perhaps it's better to begin by asking this. Does the Bible even have a message that's relevant to be shared today? Do we as Christians, do we have something to share, to speak into our culture? This faith of ours, this message, do we actually have anything to say? Is it actually relevant for the world today? Well, I think sadly, when we look at the world and the culture we live in, our culture not only tolerates, but often openly supports and enables all types of sin that God speaks out against. We very much in Australia have a a heavy culture of drinking and partying. It's very much endorsed. In fact, you turn 18 and we, we, we don't reward people by saying you have responsibilities as an adult now. It's you're 18, get as drunk as possible. That's how we celebrate going into adulthood. When you have your 18th, it's really just an excuse to go as crazy as you want. It destroys the mind and the body. It causes us to make bad decisions that affect our entire lives. And yet the Bible says that we are to treat our bodies as a temple that God dwells in. That God has given us these bodies that don't belong to us. They really belong to God and we are to be good stewards of them. And so what we put into our bodies, we should do to glorify God. We unfortunately as well have a very bad culture of Well, drinking and party culture often leads to unwanted pregnancies. And unfortunately, many of those result in things such as abortion. Here are some statistics most recently to do with abortion. In 2018, there were 73,800 abortions in Australia. Now, of those, 7.5% were for young women between the ages of 15 to 19 years old. So almost 10% of these abortions come from women who are not 
even legally adults, 15, 16, 17. People who are not even adults, which is a very sad statistic to hear. According to the World Health Organization, every year there are estimated between 40 to 50 million abortions around the world. And this corresponds to about 125,000 per day on a global scale. Now, in America, America is much more steep than Australia. America has about 3,000 per day. And in fact, in America, 21% of all pregnancies will end in abortion. That's over a fifth. So if you're a, a young child in the womb, you have a one in five chance of being aborted rather than ever seeing life. As of May 28, 17,245,200 unborn children have all had their lives taken in their own mother's womb just of this year. And if the World Health Organization statistic is reliable, which we'd imagine it is, that number will increase to between 40 to 50 million uh, and by the end of the year. And God speaks out against this. God is very much in favor of defending the rights and the liberty of those who are poor and defenseless, those who in a culture need to be defended. And in fact, God specifically wrote about this when he spoke to the prophet Jeremiah. These are the words that God spoke through Jeremiah. In Jeremiah chapter 19, verse 5, he says, These people have built the high places of Baal to burn their sons with fire for burnt offerings. This I did not command them nor speak to them to do, nor did it come even into my mind. Back in Jeremiah's day, people would give, they would sacrifice, they would kill their own children. And God says, I never asked them to do this. I never told them to. He says, it didn't even come to my mind for them to do this. And so God has something to say about this. What about we just look at the world and the amount of stress and exhaustion that there is? Our world is so occupied by busyness and stress. And God says, how about you take a day off? Work six days, and on the seventh day, rest. It's, a, it's an antidote to busyness and exhaustion and overworking. In a world where we're so, we almost idolize working ourselves to death, God says, take a day off and rest. What about the fact that now when you ask people, do you think the world is going to end soon, people aren't actually that surprised. People are more... Um, they're more open to the idea in the wake of things such as COVID. They go, well, COVID felt like the end of the world to me. What can we say to that? We can speak hope into that. Yes, maybe God is coming again soon. And the, the, the end of the world is soon, but God is also going to restore this world. He's going to bring with him to heaven those who have decided to follow him. And of course, the most important thing that we can say to people is the gospel. That we can escape punishment for sin and have eternal life. That Jesus died for lost sinners and is coming back soon to take those who've accepted him. So we definitely have a message to share with people. We've merely scratched the surface of the, the things that we can speak into, this, into our culture and into the world and say, God has something to say about this. And it's so easy for us to 
when we hear that, go, yes, we need to share that. We want to stand up for our faith and go, yes, the world needs to hear this message. And then we begin to shrink back a bit. We become a bit reluctant. Because we very quickly realize that everything that God has to say on these topics is very unpopular. The world doesn't like hearing what God has to say. In fact, a lot of the time, they go out of the way to stop this message from being heard. In our hearts, we want to boldly proclaim these biblical truths. We want to stand up for our faith. But then we begin to see those critical looks or nasty stares or people pointing judging fingers towards us. And then we begin to become almost ashamed of the faith that we have, ashamed of the gospel that we are called to preach. And yet I love what Paul says in Romans chapter 1. He's writing to the church in Corinth, Romans chapter 1. And he says these words, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Paul was bold. He, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel that I preach. And yet sometimes we do fall into that trap of feeling ashamed of sharing this message because we know what we have to share is very unpopular. So we try and come up with excuses to get out of sharing our faith. And in fact, we're not the first to try this. All throughout the Bible, God speaks to people and he calls them to share his message. And they try and wiggle their way out of it. Let's have a look at just a few examples of people trying to come up with excuses. And let's see what God gives as a solution to their problem. Let's turn to Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4, the second book of the Bible, right after Genesis. Exodus chapter 4. Here God is going to call Moses. And he says, Moses, I want you to bring, go to Pharaoh, say the words I tell you, and go tell Pharaoh to let the Hebrew people out from Egypt. Release them from their slavery. But Moses isn't all too keen about this idea. He's not very, he's not attracted to this idea of going and speaking on behalf of God. So in Exodus 4 verse 10, here is what Moses gives as an excuse. He says, it says, Then Moses said to the Lord, Oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since. You have spoken to your servant. In fact, I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. So Moses says, look, I'm not really good with my words. I'm a bit... I'm a bit slow. Uh, you know, I'm not quick on my feet. I'm not very good at saying the right thing when it needs to be said. So he goes, God, this job is all about talking. I'm not a great talker. You know, I'm not the guy that you want for this job. And maybe you've said the same thing too. Uh, you know, I, I don't speak very eloquently. I'm not very good with using words. I can, never, I can never think of the right thing to say at the right time. Those are often excuses we give to God for why we can't share our faith. But listen to what God says to Moses. 
Verse 11. So the Lord said to Moses, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the man mute? The deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and teach you what you shall say. So God, he says, look, being slow of words, having a slow tongue, not knowing the right thing to right say to say at the right time, he goes, don't worry about it. He says, it's not a valid excuse because I'm going to give a solution to your problem. Isn't that powerful? God says, don't worry about the fact that your mouth is not as good as you think it is. Who do you think gave you that mouth, Moses? I made your mouth. I made your tongue. I made your mind. I can be the one who helps you. So God gives a solution to Moses' problem. He says, Moses says, I can't speak. God says, all right, I'll speak the words for you. Let's have a turn to Jeremiah. What did Jeremiah try to say to God when God first called him? Jeremiah chapter 1. And if you're reading from my Bible, that's page uh, 863. Page 863. God is once again calling Jeremiah now to speak and tell the people what they're doing that is wrong. And of course, once again, it's an unpopular message. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. God said, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I, I, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, this is Jeremiah, then I said, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak. Why? For I am just a youth. I'm too young. So God calls Jeremiah to preach on his behalf. And Jeremiah, he says, I can't do that, God. I'm too young. And perhaps we might think the same thing. I'm too young to do that. That's, that's for the older generation to do. Or maybe we're thinking, not necessarily biologically, maybe we're thinking in a spiritual sense, God, I'm too spiritually young. I just, I just got into this faith. I, I barely know the basics. How am I supposed to know? Can't you send the, the people who've been in the church for 50 years to do this? Why are you calling me? I've been in it for five months. God says, do, here's what God says. Verse 7, do not say I am just a youth. God says, don't say you're too young to do the job. Why? For you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. So Jeremiah, he tries to get away from preaching God's word by saying, I'm too young. Can't you send someone older? God says, you're not too young. Don't say you're too young for the job. And if you're afraid you won't know the right words to speak, I'll put the words in your mouth. Isaiah, the prophet, he gives a similar response. He says that he's too sinful. When he's in the throne of uh, God, before the throne of God, he says, woe unto me, for I am too sinful. I'm a man of unclean lips, he says. And then God, once again, God touches the mouth of Isaiah and cleanses him. He says, I've cleansed you from your sin and your unrighteousness. 
So perhaps we think, I'm, I'm too much of a sinner for God to use me. God would never want to use me. I'm too sinful. I've got too many problems. God says, you're not too sinful. I'll cleanse you of your sin and make you suitable to preach my word. Or perhaps we think like Gideon. God raised up Gideon to free his people. And when the angel of the Lord speaks to Gideon and tells him, Gideon, you're the one who's going to save the people of Israel. Gideon says, well, I'm from the smallest tribe there is in Israel. And I'm from the smallest clan in that tribe. He says, I'm too, I'm insignificant. I'm too, too small to make a difference. What can I do? I'm from the most insignificant tribe, from the most insignificant clan. I'm an insignificant person. What do you expect me to be able to do? And yet God tells him that him being from a small town is no barrier to him doing the right thing. He says to Gideon, it doesn't matter that you come from a small background. I'm still going to call you and you're still going to do great things. And maybe we think the same. What am I supposed to do? I'm just from a small town, from a small family, maybe you know, a little known family. Perhaps you have little influence. You think, I don't have any power or authority. I don't have any anything that I can provide. But God says that he'll be the one that will ensure that you have influence. He'll make sure that even though you may be insignificant, he is the significant one. He will work through you. And those are just a few examples of people who tried, when God called them to preach his message, to share their faith, they tried to back away. They came up with some reason as to why they couldn't. And God said, I'll solve all of those problems. You can't speak. I'll give you the words to say. You're too young. I don't see that as a problem. You're too sinful. Well, I'll take away your sin from you. You're too insignificant. Don't worry. I am significant enough. And we could go through a number of other reasons why we might be hesitant to share our faith, share the message that God has placed in our hearts. But my challenge to you is if God was able to answer Moses, Jeremiah, Isaiah, and Gideon, those are pretty strong men of faith. Do you, do you think we can out-reason out God any more than these people did? Or give excuses that can do better than perhaps Moses or Jeremiah? I think whatever reason we would give to say to God, God, there's just something holding me back. God will always be able to give a solution so that we are able to share our faith. God's message has always been unpopular, but when it actually is received by those who are listening, it transforms their lives. And that's why we preach. We preach so everyone can hear. And some people are not going to accept that message. But for those that do, it completely and radically transforms their lives. And that's why we share our faith with people. So that they, those who do listen can actually hear and be transformed. So to conclude, we need to ask the question, well, how do we actually share our faith? We know now that we have a message that's, that's worth sharing. We know that whatever reason we have that would hold us back, God has a solution to. 
So obviously we need to share our faith. We're called to. We know we have to. How do we share that faith though? How do we actually put that into practice? Well, of course we can do it just one-on-one with people. Initiate spiritual conversation with friends or family. Really good uh, conversation starters could be just what what were your thoughts on COVID when it was big last year? You know, what was that all about? Use other current events that are happening. Other really good questions to initiate things uh, is something like, what do you believe happens when you die? One that everyone is thinking of is, do you think life has meaning or purpose? Another good one, how do you think that everything came to exist? These are all really big questions that everyone's thinking about, but we rarely ever discuss. But if you initiate the conversation... Most people are willing to talk about their ideas. Most people have thoughts and opinions on these questions. We just need to ask them. And of course, we have, we have access to more resources than there's ever really been in the world. Um, if you're wanting to take photos, this is the time to get your phones out if you're interested in doing that. Books. We have so many books that we can give to people. These are just a, a short summary of books that I'd recommend giving to people who don't really necessarily have a faith that you're wanting to reach out to. Uh, Of course, we have all of the classics of Ellen White, the amount of stories I've heard of people converted just through reading books such as Steps to Christ or The Great Controversy is unimaginable. Other classics like C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity, uh, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, The Cold Case Christianity, These are classic Christian books that are used to bring people who may not necessarily be believers and get them thinking about spiritual things. Sharing our faith is almost as easy these days as also just sharing uh, links to things. So on YouTube, there are plenty of videos that you can send to people. You don't even have to really say much. Let the videos do all the talking. Uh, If I were to recommend any YouTube channels to give people videos from it would be any one of these Um, lineage journey is actually a really good one that goes through adventist history as well as biblical history and it's like they're five minute short little episodes done in a documentary style cross-examined is very much a a apologetic space so arguing for uh, arguing and reasoning for the christian faith and uh, of course you can't go wrong with things such as Daniel and Revelation seminars by really good Adventist preachers such as Kenneth Cox. And I've uh, selfishly put the After Sermon podcast on there. That's my YouTube channel. So (laughs) I've selfishly put that there. But in all seriousness, uh, I make those resources for people to share and for people to to use and learn from. Um, Of course, uh, we've also got for kids. These are like the classics that I'd recommend to to people if you're wanting to witness and share faith with kids, Story Keepers, Arnie Shack, and of course you could put 50 other ones all on that list, but just really good content to teach children biblical ideas. And as far as websites go, you can just, there are so many Christian websites with articles on every question that anyone's ever thought of. Um, I really admire a lot of what Answers in Genesis and Creation Ministries do. And uh, Mighty Warrior Ministries is, again, a selfish self-promotion there. That's my website, so (laughs) go check that out. But 
Again, really good online resources. You can just send people links to articles and blog posts, all sorts of stuff. And then you just follow up by asking them, well, hey, what did you think of what I sent you? Was that, a, was that useful? Did it get you thinking about anything? Ask them uh, how, you know, talk to them about what they thought about what you've shared with them. So really, we, we're without any excuse to not be sharing our faith. Because even if you're not sitting down with people one-on-one, you're able to share all these resources. And I think about one more oh, um, Bible study series. We've got Secrets to Prophecy Bible Study, uh, Faith Link, Amazing Facts has really good ones. There are like so many different Bible studies that are available to us to sit down with people, take them through the messages of the Bible. Now, I've, I figure there's no point in me saying all of this and then not giving you the opportunity to actually do it. So, for example, I'd really love if all of us would be able to invite at least one person to come to our Live More Happy program. It's a perfect witnessing opportunity to get people thinking about these big questions that we've been talking about. I mean, when we think about happiness and life, we're thinking about meaning, purpose. Is there meaning and purpose? What happens when we die? Why, why do things exist? These are all questions about life. These, and our Live More Happy program will be a perfect opportunity to foster and nurture these types of conversations. I've also got a, a number of resources here that I'd like to share to anyone who's willing. I've got a, a number of small little pamphlets and booklets here. That will be available. Um, I've got a series of secrets, uh, secrets of prophecy Bible studies that I'd like to give someone today, as well as a whole box set of the Beyond series. So at the end, uh, after we've finished here, please definitely come up to me and grab some of these resources. First in, best dressed. Whoever wants to grab those Bible studies, grab them. The box set of DVDs, grab them. Just go for it. Because I'd love to actually be able to give you some of the resources we've talked about so you can actively go and share your faith. The final song we'll be singing uh, today is I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. And we sang it this morning as well. Um, And I found that really interesting. Mary just decided to put it in the Sabbath school song service. I didn't ask for that. And yet I knew my story would be on uh, this. Because the story of how that song came to be is very interesting. There was a missionary and his family who had gone to India wanting to share the gospel. And they went into this local village. And of course, the head of the village was not very happy that here come these missionaries trying to take away the people from their traditional beliefs and are trying to introduce them to Jesus and this foreign God. And so one night, the head of the village, he takes some of his men and they kidnap the missionary and his family. And they get them all to kneel on the ground. And the head of the village, he speaks to this missionary. And he says, I want you to renounce your faith in Jesus. Otherwise, I'm going to kill your family. And the missionary, he looks at the head of the village and he says to him these words, I have decided to follow Jesus. And with that, the head of the village kills one of his children. And he says, I'm going to kill your next child if you do not leave and renounce this faith in this Jesus. You're causing too much trouble in the village. I want you out of here. Renounce your faith in Jesus. The missionary looks at the head of the village and he says, 
Though none go with me, still I will follow. And the missionary's child is killed right in front of him. Finally, the head of the village has his sword right next to the, the neck of the missionary's wife. And he says, this is your final chance. Renounce your faith in Jesus. And the missionary looks the village leader in the eye and he says, the cross before me, the world behind me. And with that, his wife is killed and then he's killed shortly after. Now, the head of the village, he returns back to his village after killing this whole missionary family. And he cannot help but feel convicted. He cannot get any sleep at night. And he's saying to himself, how is it that this man was so dedicated to his faith in Jesus? I killed his entire family in front of his eyes. I killed him. And yet he still would not give up his faith. And it just it wrecked him. It absolutely played on his mind that someone would be so faithful to God, this foreign God that he did not know. And he became so convicted of this man's faith that he decided that he was going to worship the God of this missionary. In fact, he proclaimed to his whole village that they would now be worshipping the God of this missionary, all because he shared his faith. And he would not be ashamed of it. He would not, this missionary even to the point of death, was not willing to deny his faith in Jesus. The message that that missionary had to preach was unpopular, and it was not well received at first. But because that missionary stood up for his faith and was not ashamed of the gospel, he converted an entire village of people. And I look forward, I'd love to see in heaven when that missionary family meets that village, and that, that the village and that head of the village are able to tell them how they came to be in heaven, all because of the faith of this man. He stood up for his faith in Jesus. So I encourage you today, as we said, our faith is not something that is just meant to be kept to ourselves. It has to be shared. And we have such a powerful message to share with the world. Are we going to be brave and courageous enough to stand up for our faith and tell people that we have decided to follow Jesus? Let's think about these words as we sing our final song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus.